Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, in this conversation with Sam Tyndall, you're going to hear a confirmation of a conjecture that Peter Vale and I had about the nature of practice, practice itself, and that it is A, very personal, and B, that is rooted in our history, in our own personal history. So whatever we become at any moment in time, if we kept doing it long enough so that we feel quite adept at our practice, it's probably traceable back to somewhere early in our life. In this case with Sam, he started to become fascinated with noisy, (laughs) uh, fast cars uh, when he was 10 or 11 and what young boy or girl isn't i think quite a few are and certainly he was so you'll hear him talk about how from there he's now reached a point where he has a very uh unique business rebuilding v8 engines for fast trucks fast cars and he does it all pretty much by himself now He's become so good at it. So the roots of his practice, if we were to visit him 10 years from now, 20 years from now, he still may be fashioning uh, automobile uh, drive chains, or he may own a, a, he may own a whole new Tesla kind of business. Who knows? But I know this: he loves cars and he loves the engines and people love what he builds. So here is Sam Tyndall. Now this is a conversation with a young gentleman who I am quite sure is younger than my shoes. I wear old shoes, but Sam Tyndall is uh, a junior in high school. Uh, 16, Sam? That's correct. Yep. I'm 17. Oh, well, no. Now you're (laughs) older than my shoes because my shoes are only 16 years old. But I knew uh, if you go through my uh, list of uh, podcast folks, you'll find one with Joe Tyndall, who's Sam's dad and former student of mine and uh, uh, a terrific uh, practitioner of managerial leadership. So as I was following Joe along over the years, I, I discovered a, uh, a new uh, Facebook group called Sam's V8 Shop. Is that correct, the title? That's yeah. correct. What? So, and what I really liked along with everything else about discovering this was A, that Sam was about 14, uh, and there he was interested in V8 engines. Uh, and not many people, even 40, are interested in V8 engines anymore uh, because we, we've learned how to drive cars with barely any cylinders at all. That was one fascination. But the other was that Joe and Sam collaborated and started to do videos. And that was very progressive back in the day. So you would step out, Sam, and you'd be standing next to one of your poor, rusted, broken old engines and say, I'm going to turn this engine into something that someone will pay money uh, to purchase and to it'll make that truck or car rock and roll. 
So let's start, Sam, with uh, before you were interested in V8 <laughs> engines. Yep. Uh, when was a moment when you said, when you said to yourself, hmm, maybe I could get a hold of an old engine block and see what I could do with it? Do you remember that time? Yeah. So it really all started, um, you know, I, I was probably like 10, 11 when I really started trying to like get my dad into this stuff because he always used to tell me all these stories about his hot rods that he used to have when he was younger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought that was really cool. So, you know, I would send him like Craigslist ads and all kinds of, you know, junk car ads that I thought were pretty cool. And I saw potential in them and, uh, you know, he thought they were cool too, but we, we don't really have the room for a project car at, at the time we didn't. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we went to the, we went to a local, uh, swap meet just to kind of look around, see what was going on. And, um, basically we were looking around after an hour or two, we found a, uh, a 350 Chevy block for, I think it was like $50. <laughs> and of course it was not pretty it was pretty rough it was all taken apart and everything but um and at at the same time while i was there um i saw um big al's toy box who has a run stand on one of their trailers they have and they of course they have uh, display motors and stuff too mm -hmm. so we kind of put two and two together like oh this motor needs some work and i could basically do exactly what big al's doing just on a smaller scale instead of, instead of like a 950 horse blower, big block Chevy, just a, you know, run of the mill, small block. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, we started small, we got that 350. Um, we, it ended up the block was cracked. So we were like, Oh, well, that's not a big deal. It was 50 bucks. So then we, we bought another one for like 120 or something like that. Or a lot more parts. So we kind of put, you know, parts from both motors together. And then, um, me and my dad were talking about the the run stand from Big Al's at the on the trailer that um, that they had at the swap meet. Yeah, and we you know we did some more research on that and how other people were doing that. So my dad was nice enough to uh, make a little plan on how to build this run stand, and uh, you know I I really couldn't have done it without him. Like I you know I was like probably 11 or 12 at the time. Like I, I, I never would have gone that far with it. You know, like I, I just thought they looked pretty cool and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, oh. you know, The sound of course of the motors and everything, but you know, we, we were like really getting into it after he made the plans and we, you know, we got uh, some metal for it and I learned how to weld when I was like um, 12 or 13, I believe. Oh, gee. So, so yeah, I was, you know, this little kid, I was welding together this run stand and, um, you know, we got that 350 block and, uh, we put it on the run stand and guess what? It ran pretty good. And I still have that motor to this day. You, and, you, you uh, kept that uh, original motor. Yep. That's, yeah. It's in the garage. Yep. That'll be for the, for the, uh, the Sam Tyndall hall of fame. Someday. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to go in the museum one day. It'll have a glass case over yeah. it. And yeah, this right. is my first 350. Yeah. Then yeah, so. uh, you, you, I'm going to cut into the story a little bit because uh, one of the things that Peter Vale and I uh, have said a lot about in the nature of practice, which you are becoming in this story, is that you don't do things alone for long before you really need someone else. Right. So, uh, 
you partnered with uh, your dad. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I could have, I wouldn't be this far without him. Obviously like he, he taught me pretty much everything I know on how to take motors apart, how to, you know, correctly put them back together. Cause that's not, not everyone knows how to do that. And that's really valuable skill because, you know, he, he knows how to do it the right way. He knows how to do it the wrong way. And that's, you know, not, not everyone knows how to do that. So that's definitely yeah. a really special thing. And I'm very lucky to have that. Yeah. Now I know something about your dad uh, and why I think that all of this is so good for you. Um, mm-hmm. I really made it a point to get to know my students as best they would allow. And Joe's story, which he then told to my classes when he was my guest uh, a few years later, was that he grew up in a town in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe there were a hundred people. He wasn't quite sure how yeah. many might have been there when he was telling the story. And he, uh, like you, was a kid who got an interest in motors and cars and vehicles and then eventually became a very, very good mechanic uh, and came to Connecticut where he was told you could make more money as a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got to meet him. But by then he realized that he also is interested in how the businesses he was doing mechanic work for were running and he had some more of a general sense of, of what I call managerial leadership. I'm really glad, uh, even though the world really needs great mechanics like your dad and you as much as you want to be, it's even better to have someone who knows how to put the whole thing together as a business. So you were on the verge with that one three fifty. that could have been just it. Uh, maybe you'll find someone to buy it. Maybe not. What then raised your aspirations to become a businessman at 13 or 14? Yeah. So, I mean, it it was pretty crazy from then. I mean, like basically my dad was like, you know, he posted a couple pictures of it and stuff on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before you know it, a bunch of his friends knew about me and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, because it's not every day you get to see a motor on a run stand and you can really like walk around the whole motor while it's running and stuff. Like a lot of people think that's cool. So then we were like, Oh, we should take this to the car show. Cause like who, like everyone loved that. So that, I think that's really where it started growing. Cause all the local um, people with their hot rods, they're like, Oh, this, this, this is pretty cool. You gotta like keep doing this. So, you know, all the smiles on everyone's faces and stuff like that. That's kind of like what, what got me like, okay, I got to like do more of this. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a community uh, that you discovered that right. they, they come yeah. out they come out of the woodwork when they see something that really captures their fancy. Not only that, Hey, here's another source of engines and people mm-hmm. to talk about. Here's a, someone young and uh, why don't we give them some support? And so right. they did. I think that's the biggest thing just because, I'm still young, but at the time I was, I was very, obviously very young. I was like 12, you know, neck, you know, 12 year old right next to his motor that's running and I'm revving it up and stuff like, (laughs) you know, not all 12 year olds are doing that kind of stuff. Not that. So no, not something. And I remember the sounds as I listened to various videos over the years, those things really, roar when you hit that little yeah. uh button there that made it yeah. like a 
it was right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So around the neighborhood, oh, oh there's Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. At the run stand. <laughs> yeah, right. So how did it grow from there? I mean, you get some, you get a little community looking at it. Mm-hmm. They're encouraging you. Uh, but, you know, you, you're going to need more than a run stand. You're going to need an indoors because Connecticut tends right. to get a little nasty okay. in the winter and, yeah. and other expenses. And here it is about four years later. Uh, right. Let's do a quick here and then we'll go back. But right okay. now, if I were to come on your property, what would I see as Sam's V8 shop? Take me for a quick tour. Right. So, so first of all, I have, um, I'm lucky enough to have two garages. One is at my mom's and one is at my dad's house. So my dad's is just, it's a really standard, uh, one car garage. Um, nothing special. Um, I think I have, I probably have like three or four motors at, at that house right now. And that's, that's pretty much the final assembly. Like, you know, that, that's where I'll, I'll, uh, I take my pictures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he also has his snap on toolbox there from when he used to be a technician. So mm-hmm. for, first of all, I'm really lucky to have all those tools uh, yeah. at, at my use because that's, that's a, that's a big step forward um, instead of, because I do have my own tools at this, at my mom's house. Um, but they're, you know, obviously they're not all snap on. Mm-hmm. So, so at that house, I pretty much have all the final assembly and the run stand and um, all that, kind of like the clean work. And then here at my mom's, I have a, uh, a two bay garage. Um, I have my Camaro in one bay, which is on a rotisserie right now. Um, I'm restoring it. It's a, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's got the frame, the subframes off right now and everything. And, uh, it's a 73 Camaro. Mm. So, and then in the other bay, I got a uh, whole, I probably have like, eight or nine motors here. They're, they're all, and, uh, most of them are all in pieces, but, um, you know, this is basically where after my customer, I'll pick up a motor for my customer and they'll want me to go through it or whatever, or a block. And, uh, I'll do all the dirty work here. I'll drain the coolant, drain the oil. I'll, uh, you know, take all the old paint off here usually. And, uh, you know, spray out all the oil galleys with the hose and get them all cleaned up. And then, uh, and I, I can actually machine the cylinders, I can bore them out. You do they, that too? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just started doing that about, uh, I think it was like two years ago now. That's a um, big skill right there. That's yeah. uh, that's used to have to job that out, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to learn that. And it's like, you know, it's also a way cheaper because we like mm-hmm. for a while, like it was, re- it was honestly pretty hard to make some good profit off these motors just because it was so expensive to machine them. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I machine them here. I basically do all the dirty work here. Then I can bring them over to my dad's house in the one car garage and uh, do all the final work and all that. Now, uh, that, that means that you have an extremely patient mother because <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did hosing the, the oil down and all the rest yeah. and, and, and she, no place for her to put her car. So yeah, yeah. actually I can fit her car in, uh, after I move some stuff around. So uh, yeah, that's go. the one rule. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I also have to thank my mom for being really supportive, uh, through these past couple of years because, you know, like it's, sometimes it's pretty chaotic and, uh, you know, she, she's always supported me 
ever since it started pretty much. So, yeah, that, so that's a big key to have uh, uh, that kind of support from both parents. And, but you mentioned the word profit. Now Mm -hmm. I used to teach at a business school and profit seemed to be pretty much on people's minds in a business school. Uh, As you're learning uh, all of this about being a technician Mm. from scratch and learning all this, uh, what have you, What's your sense of business you've been developing over these years? What, um, uh, like what, if what someone would say, Sam, have you become a businessman? And what's your answer to that? Well, I mean, you know, it, I feel like that's a, I feel like it's more of like, um, I guess you could call it a business because like, you know, when you, when you have a business, you're, you're doing some, you're, it's a service for someone, right? That's and, right. And, um, and through that service, you're, you're like helping the person and you're doing what they want you to do, but you mm-hmm. can also make a, like, you're also benef- benefiting from it because you're making a profit. And at the same, especially for me, I learn every, like I learn so much through every motor I do. Like there's always something big that I always learn. So mm-hmm. For me, like, I don't really see it as a business as much as like some other people might just because like I learned so much about every, every motor I do, you know, like it's, it's more like kind of fun to just like see what's different about each one. That, uh, that should be, by the way, what every business person feels about his or her business. They, they first, they should see it as a service, not just a a bunch of metal uh, and, and wires and things, but a real service. The other thing is the learning. And what I'm hearing is that every engine you've worked on and you've got quite a few lying around there. You look at it uh, after you've made, uh, taken the order and you go, it all looks pretty much the same. And then, whoop, wait a minute, this, this looks a little different or this part's out of service now, or so is that an example of some of the variety that of, of challenges each engine presents to you? Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's, there's always got to be some challenge with uh, each motor I do, like whether it's with um, something limiting, like maybe it's in the car and that's like, like uh, I built a big block Chevy and um, we were limited by like the, the kind of cylinder heads mm-hmm. that we wanted to use. Yeah. Cause and, of the hood can restrict how much. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, in like some intake manifolds that I want to use are tall and they just, you know, they make better power sometimes. And, uh, some, you know, a lot of the time the customer wants to keep a, a factory hood on. Um, so I had to go with a lower, uh, style intake. Mm-hmm. That means quick. you have to adjust everything accordingly, right? Cause it's oh, a system. Yeah, exactly. It, it all has to be a system. Like you can't, you can't go too crazy with some parts you, you, like while other parts are way more mild, like you pretty much have to keep everything the same, like in the same ballpark as each other. Mm-hmm. What are some of the customers doing with the Sam V8 engine? Right. That's a good question. So one of my customers, he has a, uh, a big lifted uh, K5 blazer. His name's Gary. He's a great guy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pretty tall truck and he takes it to the fairs and uh, he goes to the, uh, the tractor pulls. Oh, and wow. He, yeah, he, he beats the crap out of it and it runs perfect. So uh, he, he loves that thing. And, um, you know, I'm really glad it's holding up for him. And then uh, another another motor I have, um, most of them are honestly um, 
just like uh, street machines. Like most of them don't really see the track that much. Um, but uh, a lot of them just, you know, just get beat the hell out of them on the street. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, that's what I like to see. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, now, so there's a, a sort of a category of customer who's been attracted mm-hmm. to you over the years. It seems to me that when you started this story with me, Sam, you said you were you were kind of interested in hot rods. That's what we used to yeah. call them when I was a kid too, right. and the noise and the uh, and the and and, and the, well, the speed and and all yeah. the rest. Yeah, and, and the pre paint, big tires, and everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And a lot of your customers then have either these big old blazers or some yeah. big trucks or uh, uh, what we used to call yeah, stock, stock cars and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, there's a, I have a, a Nova, um, an El Camino, a Firebird, first gen Firebird. Wow. That's another one. And those all need to be at least the V the V8 in order for oh, them yeah. to satisfy their customers. Yeah, all, I pretty much pretty much all I do right now are three D three stroker small blocks. And I, you know, I, I've done a few uh, big blocks too. Um, I actually have, I've done a, uh, a five fifty five big block that's going in a, uh, a 69 Corvette convertible. Oh, wow. A Corvette. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. These people are buying uh, an engine that you've rebuilt. It's not, yeah. not, you know, straight off the shelf. It's rebuilt. Oh yeah, and they're putting the pedal to the metal on yeah. mess an engine you built. So right. therefore, the quality that you put out the door is life and death in a sense, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. You know, I mean, I mean, some people might think it's like stressful to like have because you know it really should be, but. Like the way I build the motors, like I triple check everything, obviously. And you really have to, to do it right. You really have to like triple check everything, you know, measure everything. Like you literally have to measure every single part with every single clearance, you know, just to make sure it's going to work right. Cause I've seen, I've seen plenty of motors that obviously weren't built right. And guess what? They didn't last because I right. haven't. Yeah. Cause then I have to fix it. Yeah. You know? Like I've seen, I've seen pretty much, I've seen, um, spun, uh, spun crank bearings. I've seen, uh, leaky oil galley plugs. I've seen, I've seen the wrong crankshaft in a motor. No um, kidding. Yeah, wow. it's, yeah. Yep. So some people are willing to exploit the trust of those customers, do things on the cheap, do them quick right. to move them through yeah. assembly yeah. line fashion. Whereas you are indeed a custom shop. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Your, uh, name is on that engine for sure. Who's your quality inspector? The one who does the final checks with you. I'm guessing. I know. Yeah. yeah. So it's obviously my dad. Um, he's, he's pretty good at that. He, uh, of course he knows everything. He, you know, he's probably the smartest guy I know when it comes to this stuff. Mm Um, you know, I, but like, you know, obviously, uh, I start when I really started doing stuff on my own when I was like 13, 14 ish. Uh, he'd have to come out in the garage a lot more often just to make sure, like, okay, the, the piston's orientated right, uh, the, the rings are orientated right on the piston, and the rod is on the right way and stuff. But, uh, but you know, over the past year, like, I've pretty much been on my own, um, 
since then. And it's been, it's been going pretty great. So that is wonderful. That, yeah. what, a, what, a, you know, all these uh, uh, months that Peter Vale and I worked on our book and, and, yeah. and on the podcast and, and since after he passed away two years ago, uh, I've always felt that there was one thing that we said over and over again, that, that was our way of thinking about practice. And that is that you continually meet in uh, new challenges because you stick to it and you continually grow and develop and develop accordingly. So it's a real payoff. Right. You commit yourself, you lock in on, I'm going to be uh, a rebuilder and I'm right. going to build engines. that will go in a Corvette or, yeah. or a Firebird. And, uh, and therefore uh, every single thing that you do from, from accepting the order, which is part of the process to collecting the money is uh, under your watch now, but you have grown from needing a, a reinforcement of, of your dad's expertise to the point where you feel very confident that's growth. Right. Now, what goes from here is development. So right. you still got a year of high school. Yep. You got a bunch of engines around. Do you see more of this ahead for the next year until you graduate? More engines? Oh, yeah, for sure. I have... Um Pretty sure I have like five, at least five more motors lined up that uh, I got to get done by the summer. So, yeah, I can only uh, I can only imagine where I'm going to be in another year. But now, in addition to having that kind of responsibility and pressure, right? right. Uh, you got schoolwork and uh, athletics. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's a good question. So, um, I'm pretty. I've, I feel like I'm a pretty decent student. I do all my homework. I, you know, I study when I need to. Um, and then when, when it comes to um, athletics, I was doing football for a while, but it, it was just too much, especially in the summer when that's like my busiest time of the year. Yeah. I'm, that's a, that would be a real stuff. conflict. <laughs> yeah. I, I really loved it, but it was just, it was just too hard to do both. Like I, I would, I'd much rather build motors and play football. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just more fun to me, but, um, that it has yeah. to be fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, another year of Sam's VH shop in, in its two, in its two locations. Right. Uh, when you graduate, um, do you see this business going on? Um, and if so, how would you want to craft it so that it would still be fun and, uh, fits into your lifestyle? Right. That's a good question. So, I mean, the way I'd love to do it is to, um, keep it pretty local. So I'd love to, um, keep going to, uh, all the local car shows mm -hmm. and, um, basically like keep going and just keep going bigger, um, with the way I'm going right now, because like I, I met so many people, um, you know, are around my area just because they know who I am from like Instagram or Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I just would really love to, uh, to just, um, to only get bigger, you know, just to find more customers. Uh, probably me and my dad have been talking about building a garage for a while. Mm -hmm. so I, I love to build a, uh, you know, a proper, um, like assembly room and like workshop and everything. I think that'd be, that'd be a great setup mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just to make things more efficient and, you know, I'm pretty excited for that actually. So 
Yeah, that sounds like a great goal. And uh, would you'd be bringing other people in to do some of the work? Yeah, I mean, it'd be really like for me. I'm, I'm. It's probably no surprise, but I'm a very like hands-on like learner. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I like talking to customers and stuff, but sometimes it's it's like a little too much. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I just need to like I feel like I need someone else to do that stuff. So yep. maybe maybe um, I don't exactly know what it'd be called, but so, someone who just like kind of shop uh, a shop manager, yeah, yeah, yeah a manager, do the, um, just help with the sales and uh, right, yeah, that, that'd be pretty. <laughs> all awesome. the accounting, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, just so I can be more efficient with the hands-on part of the job yeah. um, because that that's, I feel like my strongest point. And, and that is the point really, again, folks, I'm talking to our listeners, the point of, of what distinguishes a practice from just doing work is that it lines up with your strongest point so far. So, you know, there are other things you have to do to keep, uh, uh, to keep, uh, you know, the roof over your head and, right on the table and you'll do those things but the joy and the drive to do more comes from really being well aligned with who you are what you're made of and you are a born natural motor technician you uh you've got such a a gift for that uh and may branch out to other things i understand there's a camaro in the offering offering yeah but you like to work with your hands and that's uh, smart, smart work. That's not just hitting a hammer against a piece right. of metal. Uh, a little bit about the Camaro because you're mm-hmm. 17 and pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, you, you, is there a license in your future? I oh yeah. I, I have a license right now. And I actually have a, a Silverado I'm driving around too. <laughs> so, so, so I, I actually built the motor in that thing and it, I put uh I think I put like almost 4,000 miles on that motor and it, it's running perfect. So running pretty, perfect. Now, yeah. you remember speed limit, speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty, there's plenty of people around who like to stop a young guy driving oh, yeah. a, a truck or, yeah. or a Camaro. Sure. Uh, so this is good. This is uh, a very fulfilling conversation. I'm watching yeah. my clock. Yeah. Uh, do you have any questions of me? Your dad's former teacher, and now your friend, and your dad's friend. Yeah. Um, so, what what would you do? Um, let's say I'm I'm 18, and like, you know, like, what would you do in my situation to, um, basically, like, expand my business, and, or not even expand it, just like make it. Like, what would you do to make it better? Would you have like? would you make it like necessarily like bigger with like more people and like a big building and stuff? Or would you like, I, where, where would you like start from there? There's a trend now, Sam, that mm-hmm. uh, it, it goes like this. People who work in big companies like your dad has off and on for years still mm-hmm. does. Uh, and others are stealing now as the pandemic has, has shaped our, outlook about ourselves and they're feeling more and more like they do not want to be not a number. They don't right. want to be part of something that they have little or no control over except maybe the job at hand. So your interest in keeping something custom size, boutique size, right. 
and that is the walls and ceilings and floor of that business are you and your reputation. Think about it that way. Right. It'll have, and that, that is a rare opportunity. And yet your generation, we call you Z, is yeah. moving very much in that direction. Now, the trade-off is uh, you're not going to pile a lot of money away. You want to be smart about it, but right. you have to adjust your lifestyle accordingly. Well, here's my point about that. If you got a great reputation, you like to go to the meets. You like to yeah. see your you you like to see something driving down your road that you put the engine in. For that's very very satisfying. Yeah. Now on the on on the dual track, however, as we mentioned before we started the recording, you've got a couple of really good community colleges right around where you live, right. and if you stay in in that area, and uh, you can start putting together maybe a, a business uh, course uh, or, or some kind of parallel study, because at some point you might think, okay, I'm 26 now, yeah. 20, I'm 27. I've done a great job, but I, now I'm ready to go bigger. And uh, therefore I want to have at least an associate degree. And maybe like your dad who went from the associate, maybe I want to, punch it out to a bachelor's or even an MBA, but that's only, it's not a necessity anymore because you got something that a whole hell of a lot of my former students didn't have. And that is what we call a trade. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys, you guys rule. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, um, so the long, long winded answer to that is yeah. stay, stay small and remember the business will be you with walls <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a door right and it'll yeah. be the it'll be the sound of someone going along at maybe 65 or 70 if they're driving in maine they can go 70 75 right. they'll be buzzing along and they'll say to the person on the seat next to them listen to that engine yeah. and can you believe it that engine was built by a guy named sam who i think was Younger than Doc Fearon's shoes. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Now, this has been great. I'm going to uh, turn off the recording and uh, we'll say a couple of words, but uh, you've given me a great podcast episode, Sam. No problem. I'm glad I'm in it. Sam Tyndall. Remember that name. You're going to see it on a sign outside of a beautiful little shop somewhere in uh, central Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs>